Hi, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On this week's episode, I am talking to the editor of iMagazine, John L. Walters. I, of course, was founded in 1990 by Rick Pointer, who edited its first uh, 24 issues. But in the magazine's almost three decades of publishing, I has only seen three editors. After Rick, Max Brunsma took over for eight issues, and then John became the editor in 1999 and has uh, been running the magazine ever since. But John's early career was actually as a musician. He toured England with his band Landscape before transitioning to a career in writing where he's uh, written for publications including The Guardian and The Architectural Review. In this episode, John and I talk about that background and how he started writing and writing specifically about graphic design. We also talk about how design writing has changed over his nearly 20 years of running the magazine and how I both needs to evolve with the times but also stay true to its mission. And we talk about that that mission and the role that he hopes I plays in that discourse and what he looks for in new writers and, and new topics. This was so interesting to me. I obviously comes up in so many of these interviews and is, is truly a, a touchstone of graphic design writing and graphic design publishing. Uh, and is so clearly one of the most enduring magazines on graphic design. So it was a real treat for me to talk to John and talk about I and all of these other subjects that we both love so much. So this is my conversation with I's editor, John L. Walters. I was kind of reading about, reading some interviews that you had done before, kind of reading some of your old old pieces. Uh, and I think it's interesting that you actually come from a background in music or started in, in music. And so I kind of want to start a little bit with that. Were you, you were a musician first. Uh, well, I went to college uh, to read maths and physics. Okay. So, I completely uh, missed that. <laughs> so my first study was, um, uh, you know, when I, at school, I did uh, art, I did music, I did photography, I okay. did all, all kinds of stuff, but I was, I was good at maths. Okay. And I wanted to go to London to become, or to hang out with jazz people, basically. <laughs> yeah. I, I, want, I wanted to go to London become part of the jazz scene. Uh, and I found I could get a, a place at King's College London to uh, read maths with physics. Yeah. So okay. that's what I did. So I spent quite a lot of my time as um, uh, an undergraduate, uh, forming bands, going around trying to get people to play my music. Okay. And then when I left college, I went straight into music, playing on the London scene. Okay. So you never, did, you ended up never doing anything with math or physics. Uh, well, uh, when I was uh, you know penniless musician, I would oh, right. make money by teaching numeracy classes. You know, so I was okay. teaching evening classes to people of all ages who couldn't afford a grocery bill, and yeah, know, it's very actually really satisfying to help someone because it's kind of, yeah. it's not rocket science. Yeah. Know? I mean, math is also rocket science, but this is just adding up a grocery <laughs> right, bill. So, right. <laughs> and uh, so I did a bit of teaching, but quite quickly I was able to start making money from music, either by, uh, I formed a band called Landscape. We, we became very busy on the London okay. scene. Uh, the indie uh, sort of pre-punk and post-punk movement kind of took off. We formed our own label. Uh, to record our music, so we made EPs of okay. live gigs. 
I was also doing um, other stuff on the side, like uh, arranging or playing sessions and mm, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, uh, my wife, Claire, uh, who uh, was in publishing, would occasionally get me to uh, read manuscripts for a publisher. Okay. So my introduction to doing more writing-oriented things was, was through Claire. Yeah, okay. I mean, that was exactly, you set up exactly what my next question was going to be, because I'm the origins of this podcast really were that I was a practicing graphic designer, but always had an interest in design writing and wanted to kind of build a career that could include not just being a designer, but also writing about design. And so I was kind of curious, almost from your perspective, being a musician and then starting to write about music how did that was that something that was happening simultaneously or was uh, that a kind of conscious decision well funnily enough of course when you're a musician you're, you're hugely sensitive to what people write right, about you right and we did that classic thing uh, we were pretty kind of obscure you know left field uh, very jazz oriented band and we had fantastic reviews and once right. we had a pop hit everyone hated it so I got really bad <laughs> right. reviews and, um, right. but I was always interested in writing just on a kind of functional level because when we did press releases and tour dates and stuff. It, I mean, we shared out all the, the duties, you know, people yeah. looked after the expenses or sorted right. out the tour dates and things, and it would usually fall to me to do the writing, you know. Okay. So okay. Uh, so after a while, and then maybe we'd do a TV show, and the person introducing us had no idea who they were, and they said, you know, can you just give me something? And they said, oh, John, John, John's the words guy, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I would scribble something out so they could... Okay. Actually, introduces in a, in a fairly intelligent way. So, um, and I remember doing a radio show with a very nice BBC producer, uh, and um, it, it was—I think it was a weird program. Her idea was to do the New Yorker on British radio. Okay. It didn't quite take off. Okay. It's a kind of mixture of conversation and music. And yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. And um, one conversation I had with her just after that, she said, actually, you know, you, you should really work on the writing. Mm. Just, just said, you know, just, just write a few words a day, you know, you, you, yeah. you, you, you should do that. And at the time, I thought that was a really weird thing to say, because I had no ambitions to be a writer. I was okay. someone who, writing was just part of just getting what everything you did. else done, yeah. you know, writing was part, you know, to, to just get gigs, write to promoters, um, communicate, yeah. you know, and needed to write. And of course, now I look back, I, I mean, it seems much simpler now than it even did 10 years ago, that I realized that was also my introduction to graphic design. Okay, well, all right, I want to come back to that for a second, but I have a question about, about this person saying that you should, you know, you should work on the writing. How do you kind of receive, what did you do with that? Did you start doing that, or how do you start you know, where'd that transition happen? Where you went from kind of being, thinking of yourself as a musician to perhaps thinking of yourself as a writer? Uh, well, that's good, a good question because, and this, she was a nice woman. She wasn't kind of saying, your, your right. music sucks so much, you should write. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I don't think she was saying that. She was, she was a nice kind of older American, you know, kind of ballsy kind of woman. But yeah, was, yeah. you know, she'd just tell people uh, uh, what, <laughs> right. what was happening. And I think, I think she liked my music. Maybe looking back, that's not so. Uh, right. but, uh, <laughs> um, but actually, I didn't know what to make of that, but it stuck in my head. Okay. Um, uh, when later I actually started making a living as a writer. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I, I never had any um, major 
ambitions to write a short story or write a play or anything like that. But then again, when we got into doing making music videos, this was just before MTV and okay. these yeah. kind of story type videos were coming out. And of course, I mean, we made, we made four videos, um, one of which had quite a lot of impact. And um, you know, you start to get into writing treatments for that. Right. So you realize, right. okay, well, you know, this writing thing, it's actually right. helps if you can spell, it helps if you right. understand grammar, it helps if other people can yeah. read what you do. And I remember someone once complimenting me on how nicely justified my typescript was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So, so then, uh, so I'm gonna get, I guess now's the time to ask is when, how, how do you transition then from writing about well, music, because most of your early writing was about music, no, right? It's not, not oh, it wasn't. No, okay. in fact, um, uh, when I transitioned, um, which is a word no one used in those days, but it's, right, it's actually right, exactly yeah. what I did. Um, I after I had some success in the music business as a, an artist and, yeah. and writer, I became a record producer. So, oh, okay. So for most of, most of the eighties, if someone asked me what I did, I say I'm a record producer. Oh, okay. Uh, which of course covers million things and you know right. it involves yeah. uh, you know babysitting really badly behaved bands mm -hmm. it involves arranging for strings it, it, it involves remixes it involves yeah. hiring um, great session musicians or making really bad musicians sound a little bit better you know there's yeah. a whole load of things that, that yeah. happen in record production which is not that different to editing a magazine I know now right um, <laughs> plus it was the early days of computers so yeah. I um, when I moved into writing it was actually quite a a uh, short, sharp shock. It was, okay. it was quite sudden, okay. right, right at the end of the 80s. And I had two kids, and my wife was a very successful, very experienced uh, journalist, and she was getting offered lots of work. Yeah. And I was uh, a record producer with a couple of hits, and nobody was calling. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't cool. Interesting. You know, I wasn't interested. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, uh, um, getting any work. And she said, well, you could do this. Mm -hmm. And she turned out to be correct. And so then that was it. And then you just I, I started, started writing. I started calling up. No, no, I didn't start writing. Okay. I start, I started or editing. editing. Yeah, yeah. I, I called up um, a whole bunch of magazines and newspapers saying, do you have freelance shifts? Okay. And th there's a thing which... Um, uh, at that time, uh, there's a big freelance scene where you were needed because... the Newspapers going through the night, there's the different editions. Right. Magazines are on quite small stuff, so they suddenly need extra people who do a supplement, they need more people. Yeah. Uh, same with designers, of course. Right. So right. I was on a, a scene that was similar to the scene that editorial designers were working okay. on. And you go in, you have to be very nice to everyone. You know, you, you hold people, <laughs> yeah. whole yeah. subject matter of a magazine, whole set of people you know nothing about, but you, what they need is you to proofread, to right. copy edit, or right. sub edit, as we call it in the UK. Uh, write captions, write headlines, right. yeah. that whole kind of uh, thing. And um, uh, Claire, my wife, gave me a kind of crash course in this is how you do this stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I also read, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of very um, good books by Harold Evans. Okay. Who that name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, married to Tina Brown. Okay, okay. He was That's the probably where. Sunday Times, yeah. then the Times, then came to the States, and he's a legend. You know, he's still he's a fantastic yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, his books, um, I would recommend to anyone writing in any genre in any oh, kind of area. Okay. Uh, just how to write 
um, good copy. I, I don't know yeah. if I've actually, you know, it shows in anything I do, but how to edit, yeah. how to handle copy, how to deal with layout, how to yeah. deal, deal with the whole design process. Of course, the technology of, of the time he was writing about is totally gone now. It's the kind right. of technology you see if you see that um, uh, Brian Levitt's film, Graphic Means. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that, it's a, it's yeah. a kind of strange age where there was a transition between hot metal, cold metal, photo time, right. people using Letraset for zine, you know, right. lot, lots of different technologies, and yeah. digital was just kind of, you know, yeah. everyone knew it was coming, but it was coming in a very kind of imprecise and it, right. vague way, and those early page makeup programs were just so terrible. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I, I was a very inexperienced journalist, but... Uh, because I'd been using computers in the music business, M music was right. kind of ahead. Right. Uh, if you think about it, music was way ahead of uh, text handling uh -huh. and graphics. And the reason is because you don't need so much uh, computer capacity to handle notes. Oh, right. Uh, because what would happen is the synthesizer would play the note. You know, you have a Moog synthesizer, you have a Juno yeah. 60 or something. So all the computer is doing is sending out tiny amounts of information, this is the pitch, this is the, the duration. Right. Oh, interesting. Maybe this is the dynamic, mm -hmm. but a lot of the time, no one cared about dynamics right. either. So right. uh, you, you're, those early computers, uh, you could save um, like a big 10-minute epic on a, a data cassette. Oh, interesting. And uh, so we were using data cassettes before we used floppy disks, yeah. before we used hard disks and, and hard okay. drives and things. So I, I was kind of... Um, a bit fearless with computers, but I was pretty yeah. ignorant. Uh, but then I, I looked kind of older, so I, I just bluffed my way into, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, into these magazines. And I worked on every kind of magazine you could okay. think of. Car magazines, PR, Week, uh, you know, tabloid newspapers, broadsheet yeah. newspapers. So how, where did the design piece come in? Or how, how did kind of writing about design or being in this graphic design world... How well, that all come together? The, there's there's kind of two stories to do with like, opportunities and also what I was interested in. Okay. And I realized now, to, to, just to throw back to when I was a musician, um, we really lucked in as a band because we um, mostly you go out on the road and the, the poster for your event is pretty terrible. Right. <laughs> or you have to do it yourself. You know, you right. Would, right. <laughs> we would have like a sort of template and then you just have oh, to yeah, get, yeah. A, get yeah. a, a marker out and <laughs> tonight, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> jazz punk tonight kind of thing. Yeah. And um, uh, we went to Camberwell College of Arts, which is now just down the road from where I live now. Okay. Uh, played a gig, really nice gig. We had some some big fans uh, that used to come and see us at Ronnie Scott's. I can't come and play Camberwell. And there in the lobby was this beautiful six color silk screen. Okay. Uh, poster with a little beautiful line of um, uh, sans serif type, and it was a kind of Japanese style. We were called landscape, but it was a Japanese oh, yeah. landscape. Oh, interesting. Said, wow, who is this? <laughs> wow. And they said, oh, that's, that's John Warwicker. He, he's amazing. You've got to meet him. And uh, so we became uh, John Warwicker's first client when he was a oh, wow. student. Okay. Now, John is uh, an amazing character. He, uh, it, you know, he went on to work with uh, a lot of music business clients. He formed a company. He worked for A&M Records. He formed a company called DeGamo in the 80s. Okay. And then in the early 90s, formed a collective called Tomato. Oh yeah, and tomato. Yeah. I kind of I knew this sounded about familiar. Yeah, scene. Yeah, and so I've worked with uh, as a client with John for on at least three projects, for maybe maybe more projects. Than yeah, that. and also he's, he's one of my oldest friends. Okay, and he now lives in Melbourne. 
Okay. And he teaches at Monash, and yeah, you know, I, I imagine he's still being quite legendary over there, but I, yeah. I, we haven't seen each other for a while. Oh wow! Uh, so That's... I realised that that was an incredible stroke of luck that I'd, we got to work with a guy who was just a, a really influential graphic designer when he was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And then was was that a thing? Was kind of what he was doing and and kind of learning about design, was this all happening as you're touring and all of these things? Are you kind of picking up on this and realizing this is something that's interesting to you? Or That's, uh, I would love to say, yeah, <laughs> we, just, we just hung out at uh, the speakers yeah, chatting yeah. about graphic design, but yeah. no, it was basically, oh, that's, um, okay. you know, that's Led Zeppelin's roadie has just come down. That's like the highest we can get to celebrity okay. at this club, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, but uh, my main... Um, songwriting partner in landscape was um, another really interesting guy, Richard James Burgess, okay. uh, who now is the head of uh, A2IM, which is the big lobbying group okay. for independent music. Okay. And wow. we would use the, 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 it can be very boring going on the road with a band and we just talk about all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. We were both reading um, Bart and Marshall McLuhan and we okay. talk a lot about communication. I don't think we even thought about Right. Design. I mean, I think when you're in a band, communication is something you, you sort of think, if only we could do this better. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. And of course, um, uh, having a kind of five-piece democratic band is really difficult for um, uh, making decisions and doing stuff. So uh, uh, I, I don't know if we were a great client. <laughs> right. <laughs> but John did some um, fantastic work for us. He uh, went on to... Um, went to Birmingham. He, I think, he did the very, very, some very early stuff for Duran Duran. Okay, part, part yeah, our, our kind of um, our era. Uh, then um, uh, was also very, um, very interested in video. Okay. Very interested in what you could do on screen. Interesting. So there was a lot of discussions about this, and yeah. of course, this was far too early when we did the sleeve notes for our most successful albums. We were saying it's got to be computer graphics. It's got to be computer graphics. <laughs> and, and poor John, of course, the only yeah. thing you could do then was actually set the type, uh, mm. display it on a cathode ray yeah. uh, terminal, yeah. you know, a cathode, yeah. ray, a cathode ray yeah. screen which is curved. Right. Then you have to get a thirty-five mil camera and photograph that screen. Oh wow! Yeah. So if you if you look at the type, I mean, it's kind of quaint now. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's really like an era, but all the type is photographed from the cathode ray screen. Oh, interesting. Then when it was proofread and typos appear, you have to kind of, you <laughs> right. have to raise a blade in corrections right, and right, things right. on film of yeah. cathode ray screen. So I guess in one sense, we everybody knew that computers digital type was going to come, but this was far too early to do that. It would be much more sensible to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> use the technology that was actually working. At yeah. Time. So I, I'm going to ask a very kind of, uh, th- we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's 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 interesting because I'm curious how you ended up at I or how how that. Sorry, that's kind of the, the second half yes. of this question. Yes. Um, I realized from doing, as I told you, when I was sub editing, uh, doing lots of freelance work. Yeah. What happens is after a while, you realize I really like working in this office and okay. I hate yeah. working in this office. Yeah. You have to be nice and professional right, everywhere right. you go. But I just think, oh, these are the, you know, these are the 
the nice people to hang out with. Yeah. So I really enjoyed working on anything cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a lot of work in the culture section of the Sunday Times. Okay. Um, yeah. Editing the um, arts columnists. There's some fantastic yeah. writers then. Um, there's a, a great columnist called Gilbert Adair, okay. who was one of the first people to write really. Uh, cogently about postmodernism. Oh, okay. And he was he did a column every week, and I just see him on his desk in the far corner, just yeah. working away. And then the copy would turn up on this very ancient ATEX right. terminal, and we'd right. have to put a headline to it, so maybe cut one line. I mean, it, it was so well written, you really yeah. hated cutting anything. But yeah, yeah. So that was you know that was a great place to work. Nice, interesting people, um, and it's part of the whole the whole sort of beast that was the Sunday Times. Um, and then I left there um, because I got offered um, a contract on the Architectural Re- Review. Okay. And I really like working on the Architectural Review. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, and I ended up doing three uh, kind of maternity cover. Okay. Actually, you could say that in a, in a way I owe the, my journalistic start to good maternity rights. <laughs> okay. Because the person I was replacing had a six-month uh, maternity leave. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe slightly more than six months, and then I, I came in oh, okay. uh, just to do that, and it was being a production editor. Oh, wow. So it, it was a great job. I was working with really interesting writers from all over the world, architectural critics and yeah. and writers. Uh, I really liked the editor, deputy editor, uh, the designer. Um, the ad team, even the ad team were really nice people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. It was a, 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 a good world to be in. Right. Um, and the same publisher published iMagazine. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. So I got uh, asked to apply for a job at iMagazine, uh, and I applied, and I didn't okay. get it. <laughs> wow, but okay. That really, you know, piqued my interest, because I, I knew this, you know, it's kind of a slightly mysterious magazine. Yeah. Um, no one ever came in the office. It was all, all done. Oh, working. interesting. Uh, so, um, it, you know, hardly ever got to see, see the people who, who, who worked on the magazine. It was Rick and Stephen and, and so on. Yeah. Um, and then a um, year went by and I was, again, it's, the job came up. I was okay. managing editor and I applied. And I started working on my magazine in uh, 1997. Okay. Wow. So, so I mean, now you've been there for twenty years. Well, I've been basically. editor since nineteen ninety nine. Okay. So it's it'll be twenty years next year. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm curious because obviously this kind of sets up a bunch of questions and things I want to talk about about I specifically because obviously I comes up in you know nearly every interview that I do. Um, it is the kind of magazine of design, you know, we can call it design criticism or design discourse. And I, I came of design or kind of started to become aware of design when I was in high school in the early 2000s or so, um, you know, from kind of seeing online design blogs, design observer, speak up, things like that, and was seeing these people talk about iMagazine, um, Immigre Magazine, all of these places that were kind of really, as a, as a kind of 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, I felt like I had missed all of this great kind of writing about design and that that was all kind of over. Of course, that was not true, but as someone who kind of didn't know anything about the field, I was seeing all these people talk about this stuff that was happening. And so I'm, 
I have a couple questions around around this kind of idea, and and the first one is I'm I'm interested in how from your position at I how design writing or the discourse around design has changed over those twenty years, um, either kind of industry specific but also culturally. And then the second part of the question is more I specific, which is how the magazine has navigated those changes and been able to endure for this long. Uh, well, of course, it's it, it, it's very pleasing to us that we're still here. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and you should. And you know, a lot of magazines have gone by the right, wayside. Right. And you know, you would understand why that's happening. And of yep. course, people have been talking about the end of print for right. as long as I've right. been involved in right. journalism. Right. Uh, and you know, it's one of those things a bit like, um, you know, the death of the symphony, the death of the, end <laughs> of the, no the, death yeah. of the novel. Yeah. Um, but, of course, a lot of things that uh, interest people, interest um, designers mm -hmm. uh, and writers are timeless. Yeah. What changes, uh, the technology changes, the culture changes, but designers work within... Um, these these various poles, these ver the various yeah, kind of yeah. areas of uh, interest, and they deal with them in new ways, and that's really what makes the topic, what makes editing eye such a treat. That, yeah. that things are constantly evolving, and you're having to deal with them. And I also feel myself very lucky in editing a magazine for really quite a. Um, an interesting readership. It, uh, most yeah. of our readers are like yourself, they're, they're, they're yeah. graphic designers, yeah. and they're graphic designers who are prepared to hand over their hard-earned cash to read right. a magazine and look at a magazine, enjoy a mag printed magazine that's about design and visual culture. Yeah. And my reading, uh, sorry, my understanding of that readership is that they don't expect the new issue to be anything like the previous issue. Right. Now, right. if you think about it, a lot of magazines survive by being really quite similar from issue to issue. Yeah. Which is its own kind of... Um, yeah. It can drive... Well, it yeah. drives you crazy if you're yeah. actually working yeah. on one of those magazines yeah. because, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to do one of those kind of stories again. You know, a triumph over tragedy. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. a how-to story, you know. Right. That, that, or or uh, let, let's do, a, you know, a cool branding story again. It's kind of like everybody is doing the same kind of story over and over again. Mm -hmm. And what we aim to do, I mean, maybe we don't always succeed, is to really keep reinventing the magazine with each issue. So, you know, if you look at a, a few recent things that we've done, like, like yeah. the latest one is... Is not themed, um, right. so it in includes. I mean, I, I can always detect themes once I've done the issue. Right. Yeah. I mean, interesting yeah. is the three male female design duos. Oh yeah, in the latest issues, but that was yeah. that was never a <laughs> right. that was never a, an aim. But it's kind of it's quite interesting. Yeah, that is um, interesting. and then you might do another issue where there's a lot of uh, illustration. That uh, two issues ago. Oh yeah, uh, we didn't call it an illustration issue, but it's very heavily dominated right. by illustration. Right. Um, Eighty-four, uh, sorry, I ninety-four, the um, type special we did. Uh, oh yeah, that's the one that had the eight thousand different digital right. printers. Right, right, I remember covers. that one. Yeah, that's a type special, and we do a type special every four issues. Okay. And I have a sense that there are certain readers who only buy the type specials. Yeah, people I just, bet. just yeah. want they just love type. They love the adverts. Yeah, uh, which are all type found, nearly all type foundries. Yeah. Um, there are lots of 
news stories about type and type design and typography, and there are even more um, historical yeah. stories yeah. about um, type and typography. I have a question. I don't fully know exactly how to, to phrase it. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to articulate this the way I'm thinking about it, but it's interesting to hear you talk about how each issue is different, which I think is true. But I feel like I, at its core, is still the same magazine that it's that it was probably when you started. It's still interested in the same things. It's still treating the topics with a certain level of depth and thoughtfulness that it always had, like the the editorial strategy, I guess you could say, is always this, the same? Um, I think that's absolutely right. The editorial um, shape of I was laid down very early by Rick Poyner yeah. and Stephen Coates. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, uh, Simon Esterson, um, who is both my business partner and the art director of yeah. I, um, yeah. unfortunately, I haven't been to meet him today, <laughs> um, he was involved in the birth of I because he oh, was okay. one of the directors of the parent company. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, and, okay. uh, you know, when you get around to interviewing um, Rick Poyner, yeah. he'll tell you a lot more detail yeah. about this. But, yeah, um, there was a magazine launched in the 80s called Blueprint, which oh, yeah. was a yeah, yeah. really um, it's a great architectural magazine, large format, really challenged... Yeah, uh, and and interestingly, you know, Simon is ex Architectural Review as well. Right. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah. Simon and Dan Sujic and um, uh, Philip Sayer, all yeah. this little team of people, created this fantastic architecture magazine in the eighties. And if you look at some of those early issues, they occasionally stray into graphics. And there's mm. one in particular which I have a, a treasure at home, which <laughs> is like a almost feels like um, a prototype for I. You've oh, got interesting. articles by Richard Hollis, you've got articles oh, wow. by Robin Kinross, Rick Poyner. Oh, interesting. It, uh, and I think it was it was edited by Rick, who was deputy editor of Blueprint. So yeah. it was kind of like the the origins of the uh, of the eye approach was in that issue of Blueprint. Yeah. And I also feel if you trace the DNA of eye further back, you get to the Architectural Review. Yeah. Where, That's know, I mean, when I, when I worked at the Architectural Review, I think that only been like, Five editors ever since the oh, okay. Victorian, since the eighteen yeah. nineties. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like New York used to be. It's just like right, probably right. a few people have done this. Um, and so uh, Simon was one of the people who actually signed off. You know, oh, the, the launch of I. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, just to have a little history about I magazine um, because it's you know I, I was really not involved for the first seven years of its existence, um, but of course I know about it right. in retrospect because also I'm with. Sarah Snaith and I spend quite a lot of our time putting those old, old articles up on the website right. because right. there's a lot of great stuff yeah. that yeah. no one, no one yeah. can get unless you find a you know an old issue on eBay. Um, so um, that seriousness was there right from issue one yeah. of, uh, of I, where you have contemporary work, um, you have reviews, you have good, really in-depth criticism, mm -hmm. and you're throwing a light on maybe some things that are not of the moment. You know, yeah. They're not yeah. cool, but, right. you know, really, it seems like we should know about them. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, the original, uh, Peter Murray, who was the publisher of, um, was the head of Word Search, the company that published I, okay. had a vision of it being this great European magazine, mm. and the original copies of I are in English, French, and German. Oh wow! So the first, I didn't know that. first six issues were in three languages, and they did two issues just in English and German. Okay. And then uh, they decided uh, to just make the whole thing in English. Oh, interesting. Because uh, 
you know, you're getting this second hand, but my understanding was that uh, although there was this original idea that this is a European magazine, yeah. the people who really loved talking about graphic design and writing about graphic design were all in the United States. <laughs> right. So there's right. really early on you get Abbott Miller, yeah. Aaron Lupton, yeah. uh, Jeffrey Keady, uh, all getting stuck in, you know, those, those, those early uh, articles. There was a, a, yeah. an American special issue, guest edited by Stephen Heller. Right. So by the time you get to the kind of the, the, the tens, the, the, yeah. the routines of I, it's there's a much stronger Anglo-American oh, interesting. Um, presence, both in writing and, and the subject matter. Oh, that's so fascinating. This is kind of a big question. It might be, it, you might not actually be the best person to answer this question, but you know, talking about that kind of really consistent editorial strategy that is traced back to the very beginning and has remained consistent, and talking about how all these other magazines, all these other publications have come and gone over the years, and just the evolution of publishing and the introduction of social media, and that we're hearing things like clickbait, and that there's this almost superficial kind of quality to so much writing now, um, and especially design writing, I think you could argue. How, how do you think, how does, how does I both kind of resist that, um, but then also not just resist it, but live through it? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm probably not the best person yeah, right. to answer. I, I guess uh, we, you know, we, we just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, it's like I, I often quote John White, the the British classical composer, who um, I think uh, who has a, like a cult reputation in Germany. Yeah, there was a festival of his music. You know, he, this guy's written like 400 symphonies or something. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but no one knows who he is really. And um, uh, and someone said, Mr. White, you know, how would you describe your position in the English uh, right. music scene? And yeah. he said, well, I, I just work here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we, you know, we just kind of, we just fight the good fight. You know, we yeah. just, just get in here. I guess um, there is an answer, there, there's a few answers to the, the questions you raised just now, which is that, that what, what you talk about clickbait and the superficial yeah. take on not just design, but everything, yeah. know, culture in general, the news right. in general, right. um, that's always been there. It's, it's nothing mm. new. Okay. It's absolutely nothing new. There's always been um, bad or fast take or mm -hmm. quick writing about everything. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that what you don't want to do is to drive out the opportunity to read the good stuff. Right. Or, and, yeah. and it's to do, it's a bit like fast food and slow food. And, you know, right. I mean, yeah. And, and we all eat. All, all that stuff, you know. Sometimes yeah. you just need to have, grab a sandwich before you, <laughs> so you won't be late for your right. appointment. Right. And um, so, uh, I guess. Um, I mean, I promised before we we turned the microphone off, I was going to make a, a plea for new writers for yeah. I, and I think yeah. maybe this is my opportunity to do yeah, that. Yeah, I thought so too. I'd like to turn any kind of possible negativity into a, a positive, which is that I'm really always looking for new writers for an eye. Yeah. There is sometimes, we, we mentioned some of the writers who, who have written um, regularly over the years, and you've interviewed some of them, yeah. uh, like Alice Tremlow, yep. Steve Heller, who yeah. has written for practically every issue of the magazine. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't want to, there to be a perception from the potential buyers, or even a, a, a kind of... A, 
a bias within the magazine that this is the, the kind of the little in crowd right, that yeah. is writing because um, you know there are there are lots of writers out there mm -hmm. uh, and there are so many different kinds of writing that work within the context of I. Sometimes I meet people who kind of know I by reputation, but they haven't actually read very much. And their perception is it's all really intense critical discourse. <laughs> right. And of course, you know, we do, we have published some yeah. great things. And I'd recommend to anybody who, who wants to see really good contemporary criticism to read a couple of things by J.P. Hartnett. Oh, yeah. Such as um, J.P. did um, a piece in I-91 about Swisted. Oh, yeah. The uh, Swisted phenomenon. Yeah. And... Um, and then there's uh, another new writer who, who's just come into the kind of say into the fold. I mean, there's no contract, you know, people <laughs> right, just, yeah. just write stuff. But there's Peter Buert, who is currently doing a lot of study into ethics and graphic design, mm. and he he writes great pieces. And so there is, you know, really quite serious writing, and you have to sit down and, yeah. and think about it and, and look carefully. And some of those things are now online, so it's there for everyone to find. On the other hand, sometimes you just need a short. Right. 250 word or 400 word review of a new book yeah. which we think is worth looking at and you it doesn't need a great long critique uh, right. if, or maybe we don't have space maybe <clears throat> it would be nice to do that but we don't have space we want to get some, yeah. a really interesting diversity of material in the review section yeah um, and so the review section is is probably my favorite way to meet new writers you know, so yeah. for, for example, sometimes someone will come to me with a really long essay, it's their college thesis or whatever, right. and I say, okay, well, that, that, that's great, but we don't publish 20,000 word pieces. And I, right. Right. Um, but uh, there's this new book about the same subject you just spent three years thinking about. Would you like to review this yeah. book for us? Right. And that might work out. It might not work out. It might feel right. actually, I, I can't, you know, it's, it's actually, it's not just writing, it's journalism yeah and I think um, you know writing uh, at an academic level is, is, a, is a wonderful start for understanding the process of research yeah. and also for you, you know you're being tested you're being critiqued all the time yeah. about your ideas but you're not often being tested in that academic context for journalistic clarity right so we quite often find that when people who've come from a purely academic background it takes a while to kind of get into a different Different kind of rhythm, different yeah. kind of pace. Yeah. And um, interestingly, I, w I won't mention names, but one young writer who recently did, did um, their first piece for us on the first pass of copy editing was really surprised by how much was changed and queried. Mm. And yeah. then I think there's a, a kind of click where she realized, oh, that, yeah, that, I can see how this is working. And then we sent the, um, the page layout with the pictures and yeah. caption because. When you're writing for I, you're not just writing um, a sheet of a, you know, on a sheet of A4 or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. You're, you're, you're writing something which is going to be part of a, uh, an editorial design that incorporates pictures yeah. and headlines and all, all the things that go to make up a magazine. Yeah. And I think experienced writers um, and some new writers just, just get that. Right. Uh, 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 newer writers have to kind of think about how what they write would look in the context of I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. Then the subject matter can send you in a completely different direction. So right. I might get someone who approaches me with a, um, a historical subject. Again, it's their, yeah. their main study or their enthusiasm. Yeah, and uh, I'll say, well, okay, what about something that's 
by people your age. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, oh, oh, okay, I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting process because uh, sometimes people come in by just submitting a blog post. Yeah. And we don't, uh, we don't, we're not a very prolific blog. We, we do a few things. We don't have a budget to commission blogs, so they tend to be done by people in-house okay. or yeah. very good friends or yeah. people have to have, have something that's a kind of byproduct, something they're doing for, for someone else. What you're just talking about is something I was very curious about in that design and especially graphic design has become this thing that kind of everybody knows about and kind of understands at a, at a base level and that uh, there are now kind of these uh, you know, a company will will redesign their logo or there'll be, um, you know, some sort of story that's about design and the New York Times will cover it or these kind of general publications will now cover these design stories. And I'm, I'm curious kind of if that's changed how you think about what goes in the magazine knowing that even though there are less design publications, more people are talking about design and that your audience is still designers and it's always coming back to uh, design readership. Well, I think, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're an expensive magazine. It's <laughs> yeah. a kind of investment. So yeah. it tends, uh, I would say most of our readers are institutions and professionals. You know, it's right. part of your right. studio, even if you're, your studio is just yeah. you in one, yeah. <laughs> one yeah. tiny room. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of, studio investment and we also know just anecdotally that people go back to older issues right. to research things to go yeah. back to things that are, oh okay I've just heard about yeah. something that was in I yep. five, five issues ago mm -hmm. and people go back just to check out the typepads because they're looking for a new typeface to right. um, I know also that um, if you like the, this wider audience for design they kind of maybe graze website because we don't have a paywall we make right. the older articles available on the whole you mm -hmm. don't get the same experience because you don't get Simon Esterson and Holly Kapfer's right you know right. beautiful art direction you're just getting the text yeah and a few template pages. yeah but um, you know you, when you get the magazine you get a kind of a whole experience which is it's a graphic design experience about the subject of graphic mm -hmm. design mm -hmm. uh, at the same time I, I would say what uh, Simon and Holly are particularly good about is not getting in the way yeah of the design that, that, that we have a very strict grid um, there's a right. certain way we do things and there's a certain structure of the magazine that makes it look like the magazine yeah yeah uh, but then within that we can we have a lot of freedom to, to show things as diverse as you know R.O. Blackman who's yeah. the cover yeah. star of the yeah. new issue and um uh, and talking about you know the uh, Brazilian photographer Jean Farkas, right. you know, which is yeah. a, a very visually led uh, article. Yeah, um, I would say um, I know that people do f find things on the i website because uh, web the website has a way of flat flattening out yeah. time. Right, and <clears throat> people will find articles from the deep past, you know, from before my time. Yeah, that suddenly seem relevant again <laughs> or they're incredibly quaint because they're so, right. so right. long time ago and yesterday I had a very nice email from a student pointing out uh, a mistake in the first paragraph it was a re repeated word in oh, wow. the first paragraph of um, an article from I-25 <laughs> and uh, yeah I I wrote back and it was an academic address. So I wrote back, I say, are you, are you a design teacher? Yeah. And she said, uh, oh, no, I'm a student. I, want, I was checking out articles that were published in the year I was born. Oh, wow. Wow. And of course, I'm very conscious that 
that that archive of I, going right back to yeah. 19, November 1990, predates a lot of the new students by, you know, it's, it's a generation. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, you're right. So, and some of those articles, um, you know, talk about Jeffrey Keady or Robin yeah. Kinross, they, they stand up really well. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, so it's part of our, uh, as I said, Sarah and I do put quite a bit of energy into... Uh, bringing those articles out, and sometimes we we respond to cues. People say, oh, "I'm doing a, a thesis about Wolfgang Weingart, and I can't yeah. read your article, or yeah. I can't see, you know, yeah. I can only see the first paragraph yeah. because yeah. we we usually publish the first first paragraph, nothing else, right. and then that will we'll say, okay, we'll put that up the list of things to, to yeah. attend to and revive. Yeah. So that's a kind of another little stream of activity going alongside. The other thing that I really um, love about what we do is that. Uh, we can make references back to these early issues right. when we're doing something new. So, for right. example, um, there's a new, there's a revived version of um, Design of Descent by oh, yeah. uh, Mirko Illich and uh, Milton Glaser. Yeah. And we did, uh, we featured that on our website, on our blog yeah. recently, but we can refer back to the original review of the first edition by Sean O'Toole. And right. Sean's original re review still reads very well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously... Politics have moved on a lot, right, but right. there are certain points he makes that I think are worth reading. So yeah. I'm very kind of glad that those things are there. And occasionally we'll hear from writers who, sorry, I'm getting a long way from your question. No, that's... We'll hear from, say, writers on more mainstream publications who are suddenly, suddenly there's a fuss about a new logo or a oh, new theme, and they'll say, oh, the only things I can find are on the iWebsite. Yeah. So it's not like we're the expert, it's just that we... We're the only people who even <laughs> right. published a two-word yeah. thing on this. But I, I, I must say, um, although you're right, there is a kind of, um, I mean, uh, uh, new, new logos and things, new identities. Yeah. To me, that's one of the least interesting. Yeah. Subjects. Oh yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> For me too. I, to write about um, identity design after it's become established, yeah, and it has a life. Yes. That's really interesting. So if yes. you write about Romic Marber's. Uh, oh yeah, for, for Penguin, yeah, which were like a really smart identity. It worked commercially; sales of the books went up, and yeah. it still works as really beautiful graphic design. You know, fifty years yeah. after after the time. Yeah. And to go back to your question about there's a lot of quite shallow, superficial design coverage. Yeah, I think that's really good because oh, we don't have to do that. <laughs> right, you know, right. It, it's like. It, it's it's a bit like back in the print days. There'd always be the trade, what they call the trades, yeah. which would be about so and so rolls out new mm -hmm. branding scheme. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't even call it branding, but you know, yeah. uh, rolls out new identity for X or Y. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or um, this agency has hired uh, this hot, hot yeah. young art director <laughs> who's got, got a you know. New, there's right. all sorts of kind of cliches of trade. I mean, the, yeah. the trade journals in. Um, the music business and the movies and so on, they, ha they work on a similar basis and they have all the job adverts and there's, there's a whole way of doing things. And there's also, there's always new, I mean, graphic design is in such a state of churn. Right. There's always such a lot of new things which are really interesting and they're exciting and they're cool and you're really yeah. glad that people are fighting the fight and they're doing yeah. stuff. Yeah, And it's not really our job and we don't have the capacity, we don't have enough people to just do lots of little you right. know, 100, 200 word articles about that every day. Yeah. Um, you know, I can imagine an alternative universe in which, you know, I have a, have a big staff with people down there and they're <laughs> just kind of keeping the blog uh, stoked. And, right. And we do the nice uh, long, yeah. longer articles. But in, in fact, 
doing the kind of eye stuff we do really just takes all the time and more, yeah, more yeah. than the time we have, in fact. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I would argue that that's what people come to you for, and that if you did that other yeah, thing, people would be like, do it as well, and yeah. we'd, we'd miss something, you know. Um, and the other thing is that I, I'm really enjoying now is that some of the writers who started doing really quite quick and fast uh, blog post stuff, um, you know, they're just, it's like, you know that theory of the, the 10,000 hours? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. it was uh, quoted in, uh, this is your brain on music. Yeah. Uh, a fantastic um, book I recommend. Okay. About, about creativity and, and, yeah. and um, the, the way the mind works. Um, I think if you've done lots of writing, even if, about anything. Yeah. Uh, and to go back to, to my own kind of growth as a writer, I think, an editor, I think just doing... Uh, probably about eight years before I came to I just working on every kind of magazine, you know, from yeah. car magazines to food magazines to yeah. trade magazines, editing, writing, just doing anything, just just writing and yeah. practicing your trades, yeah. the way you practice an instrument or practice drawing, right. uh, you become better. Right. If you're lucky enough to have good subjects uh, and you're smart enough yeah. to be critical, then... Yeah. It's, it's better, but actually just, just writing is, is really, really good. And I recommend anyone who aspires to be a writer, just start writing. You know, don't, yeah. don't kind of think of yourself as a writer and then wait for that moment when you write your perfect uh, right. article. Right. Just, just start, just right. do, do stuff. Yeah. And so um, the nice thing now is that uh, we have um, some of the newer writers who are coming in to do stuff. And I have worked for blogs like uh, It's Nice That, oh, yeah. ARGA, Ion Design, and graphic and yeah. um, well, I mean, print is now a blog. Yeah. Although, a, a, yeah, a, 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 I don't quite know what's happening there. But yeah. um, uh, and um, people do, yeah, the young writers who get excited by design and can find something bright about design and will over that, the, right, right, over mm -hmm. the. The act through the act of writing and reporting, you start to get a taste for what is it that you are really interested in. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. when I meet a writer, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll kind of read their stuff and so on, and then I'll say, well, you know, do you have a subject? Or do, do you have something that really excites you or that you think deserves more attention? Yeah. You know, not yeah. is this something I can pitch to someone? Right. Which obviously it's yeah. a journalistic yeah. Um, yeah. way of thinking. Yeah. But is it something that you have a real feeling you could write something yeah. about? This, that leads perfectly into my, I have two more kind of semi-quick questions, but what you just said leads into to a question that I kind of end most of the interviews with, which are, what are the topics or subjects that you're really interested in, in reading about right now? Or, or what are the topics that you kind of want more of in I? I, I want everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I want everything, and I want all the stuff I've not even heard of. Okay. Uh, because I, I do, uh, there is that danger when you're established as an editor, and you yeah, know, I, yeah. I'm, you know, I've been around a long time, and iMagazine has been around a long time. There's a danger that people will just come to you with the thing you've just done. Yeah. Because they yeah, think, yeah. oh, that's what they like. And actually, I have an anecdote here which relates back to my, uh, the, the period between being an, a record producer and coming to I, which is in parallel with my early days in the in the cubicle, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the sub-editing cubicles. Yeah. Um, I had a, I, I founded a, a music journal called Unknown Public. 
Okay. And uh, that ran from uh, the early 90s in, into the, uh, the mid-noughties. Okay. And it started as a, as a CD journal um, with craft paper. The identity oh, yeah. was by uh, John Warwick and Tomato and okay. Graham Wood and Jason yeah. Cashley and so on. Yeah. And the idea was it was a graphic artifact and it had a CD or, amazingly, a cassette inside. <laughs> and the idea was to try to bring back some of the materiality that you used yeah. to get in vinyl that people yeah. were, were, were kind of losing, missing. So you'd have posters, you'd have... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You'd have, um, and we'd also have... Um, um, we would do, for example, a guitar issue. Mm. Which had a giant plectrum along with all the graphic yeah. stuff, and as soon as we'd done the guitar issue, everyone would send me guitar music, mm. and that's the one thing I don't want right. because yeah. that, we've just done that. I want to, in fact, we follow. I think we followed the guitar issue with the Netherlands connection, so it was a kind of music that had a Dutch yeah. connection, and I think that's the same thing here. You know, I don't want another R.O. Blackman type story, uh, right? Even though I know there's. There's some more out there that would be good, and we will do them in the future. But yeah. we don't want the next issue to have the same yeah. feel. Yeah. Um, if we do a photography feature like the, the Brazilian carnival masks, I don't want it to be like Brazilian carnival right. masks. I want it right. to have a different, a completely different right. take. And so, in a way, I'm asking writers and friends and contributors and associates to to think laterally. Yeah. To, to, to think really differently. Yeah. And of course, uh, the reason I say that the reviews section is a really good way in is that there's always far more books to review than we have space for. Right. And yet, I don't get sent the best books, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's quite possible that there's a really fantastic book that is obviously right to be an I, that the PRs have forgotten to send me, the author yeah. It doesn't even know we're still going. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts yeah. of weird things happening. And, and uh, in a way, when I'm doing interviews like this, I'm putting out a plea to, you know, yeah. send your um, design idea, your uh, ex design exhibition that needs a review. Yeah. You know, just tell us about the stuff that's happening because we can't be everywhere. We, we, you know, right. we, we, we can't have right. our, our, our antennas in every part of the world. And we are trying to be as international as possible. Yeah. So, for example, we'd love to know more about what's happening in China. Yeah. We don't have... Yeah. At the moment, we don't don't have someone who's traveling there or his base there who can do stuff. I've just just today received a very nice article from um, Japan. Oh, wow. So that, yeah. that's great, or a revision of an article from, from Japan. Actually, something I should say, perhaps to qualify my remark about 10,000 hours, yeah. is that... Uh, which I think is true if you really want to be serious about writing. Yeah. But... I don't mind publishing pieces in I that are by people who are not even writers. Mm, yeah. Because sometimes the person who writes the best article is not a great writer. They're the person who right. know, knows about it. Yeah. They're the yeah. person who has access to a great archive or they're really good friends with the subject and they can get they can do an interview and they get stuff that right. like a really good journalist could go along and it, it wouldn't it would be right. It wouldn't be any right. interesting yeah. because they wouldn't have that intimacy. Yeah. So sometimes, and sometimes people, uh, and I've seen this happen a few times that rather surprised people, they, they have one really good eye article in them and they yeah. don't, it, it's hard work, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, they, they don't need to do another one. It's kind of like, I really wanted to get that particular thing yeah. into yeah. eye and we, you know, we, uh, and that's fine as well. And there's also, there's a, um, uh, as I say, there's lots of very different kinds of articles that we, we publish where you can have a, a 200 word caption review, of yeah. a, an exhibition or a, yeah. um, 
uh, a, a book. You can the, the reviews tend to be between two fifty and a thousand words. At the front of I, we have this uh, front matter section yep. with, I mean, for example, um, in the new issue, uh, well, Sarah has written about Brian Levitt's film uh, Graphic Means, but we've also mm -hmm. had this piece by another new writer, uh, uh, a brand new writer to me, Anya Ninehart, about mm, I don't know. technology and publishing. Oh, okay. About, uh, you know, yeah. the state of ebooks. Just, yeah. kind of, just that was prompted by a, a Fairly obscure conference in Germany last oh, year, and it just piqued our interest that this would be a yeah. thing to cover. Uh, in the last issue, um, we did a piece about plastics and recycling. So you know, we can go outside the remit of graphic design if it has a relevance to graphic design. So there's those kind of pieces which might be um, 800 to 1500 words, which is a more discursive, critical, yeah, or analytical piece, and it doesn't need to have more than you know a few pictures uh, and then in the feature well which goes in between those two sections um we have the really long meaty typical yeah, right. eye articles right which is where you've got a Edwin kwan uh, doing a profile of triborough mm. or mm -hmm. you know my interview with romic marber um, and those articles may have they can be storied you know they can have uh, sidebars and extra sections yeah so that we're we're kind of putting together um there may be more than one writer involved, so you get a different perspective. The, the, the great uh, Paul Stiff, who wrote several fantastic, the late, late Paul Stiff, unfortunately, uh, wrote several articles uh, in the early days of, of I, um, and uh, a couple of things uh, for me not long before he died. But Paul, who taught at Reading University for a long time, um, he talked about this concept of useful writing. Mm. And... I think this is quite an interesting idea if you're a, a come, you're a designer or you come from a design background. Yeah. That sometimes, just like laying out a page or doing a poster, sometimes you just have to be useful. You know. <laughs> right. But right. If you have a visual style or a writing style, it will maybe come in around the edges, but you just have to get at those useful facts yeah. down. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Tell it like it is. You know. Yeah. What What are we looking at? Who is this person? Right. What year is it? Uh, what's the context? Who's the client? You know, there's a certain amount of material which is actually really just very traditional journalism. And yeah. Just uh, yeah. Being, being useful. Yeah. I mean, you have useful writing in um, uh, museum guides and right. timetables and all that kind of thing. It can be very, very straightforward. But uh, and I, I, one thing I sometimes say when I, I, I talk to students about writing is. Uh, Think about giving instructions for someone how to mm. get to your yeah. house. Yeah. You know, if you if you had to write that down, you have to be really clear. Yeah. Uh, sometimes maybe yeah. a map is better. Yeah. You know, like right. a little diagram, right. but right. maybe you, you can't do that because you're sending a text. Yeah. You know, it's something that the really most trivial bit of writing, there is an opportunity to hone your writing skills. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to actually wrap this up. Thank you so much for doing this. Obviously, I'm a big fan of, of what you're doing, um, and I'm glad that we got to do this. I thought this was such a, a great conversation, so thanks. Jared, thank you for the opportunity uh, to talk about writing and yeah, of writing course. about design and editing writing about design. It's, uh, it, 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 as you can tell, it's, it's what I do. It's what yeah. I love doing, and it, it, it's always changing. This episode was recorded on February 2nd, 2018 in New York City. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and at scratchingthesurface.fm.
Thanks for listening. <laughs>